What's up, what's up? Another week, another podcast. This is your favorite football podcast, The Football Academy. I'm Mr. Poon tonight with Braden and Will. How's it going, boys? Um, I am recovering from lots of things this weekend. Um, as I mentioned, went down for the annual visit to New Orleans for Gruner Gras. Uh, very good time as far as that, but a lot of very sad Arsenal fans, as uh, we will get to later uh, here in the podcast. But um, a great time there had by all... Uh, despite things just it's a it's a it's a lot in a couple days highly recommended though i'm solidly okay on football wise uh i'm off air i was just talking about tonight there's a high likelihood that lebron might break the uh the uh, nba scoring record and i'm real mad about it because i'm old now and having to stay up till 10 o'clock at night to watch sporting events is starting to piss me off um i think the west coast is dumb and I think Los Angeles is a stupid place, and I don't know why they play so many important sporting events there. I don't like staying up on a Tuesday, but I'm going to because uh, everything I said is a lie. I like sports too much. I'm good. I'm just going to be really grumpy in the morning tomorrow because uh, I'm going to stay up till 1 o'clock in the morning to watch some fucking history. Uh, and that's enough for the basketball academy. Yeah, could be quite a historic night in the NBA, but quite the interesting weekend uh of Premier League football, definitely very, very happy with the results, but the results that matter here first are the betting ones. Braden, do you want to give the listeners a rundown on that? I'd really prefer not to after this past <laughs> week. It, it, it was pretty brutal. Um, luckily, Sapoon missed this, so he did not have to partake in in our meltdown. Um, yeah, Will and I both just got two of the ten correct. Um, for second place, that puts Will at... 504 pod bucks on outlay of a thousand and me just marginally better at uh 544 um pretty brutal week um some that i felt we were kind of close to getting um like like i I had wolves getting a draw against liverpool i probably would have taken them against the spread um and probably should have um and then we were just way too cute with brentford southampton but you know it, it happens sometimes props to will you got the villa leicester exactly correct on lesser just having a fuck you in your bets game like our our season doesn't make any sense it is what it is <sighs> lester <laughs> every time yeah quite the interesting week and i am quite surprised neither one of you took sean dyche on his first game as everton manager to pull off an absolute upset at goodison park everton won arsenal nil um we'll get to the future results but at the time it must have been very devastating Braden. yeah i mean i joked like so one of the things about being in new orleans or gunner Gras, there's a, a lot of people and it's a very small bar that the um, new orleans uh, arsenal fans are located in and so you had to get there early if you wanted a spot so and it was the early kickoff it's in central time so showed up there at like 5 45 or so I was like, I set an alarm at 4.30 a.m. for this. Like, for this. Um, obviously, a rough game all around. Like, I, lots of, like, lots of credit should go to Everton. Like, they thoroughly outplayed Arsenal this game. I think it's always tough to play a team when you don't have any, any kind of, like, you can look at Sean Dyche and Burnley, but you don't necessarily know how, exactly how, like, this iteration uh, is going to play. And, it was very similar, but I mean, not exactly the same. I will say Dwight McNeil to James Tarkowski for a goal felt 
pretty appropriate. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it is what it is. Like, I actually thought Arsenal were okay in the second half. I thought that they kind of figured a few things out until the subs came on, and, and I think the subs just didn't really work. Um, I, I'm pretty confident this is just a blip for Arsenal. I, I don't think this ha- is much for, like, worrying things to come or anything like that. I, I think it's just a matter of you have a team that's generally very well prepared for teams and there just wasn't as much you could prepare for for a team that was first game with a new manager. Arsenal grew into the game, but I think once for for the first time ever, once Everton scored, I think they kinda knew they kinda knew what they had to do. And it's we said it on the previous podcast. I think I alluded to it. I was like, maybe with the tools they have, this Everton team will look just a tidbit more like fluid, maybe a little bit more attacking. Um, they didn't necessarily look like attacking, but it's a fresh coat of beige paint because they definitely look like they had their ears pricked up at certain points in the match. And that's more than what we've seen from Everton most of the season. I'm not really going to speak too much to Arsenal because I kind of think this is a blip too. But if Everton can put on performances like that, where they kind of come out, they realize that they have enough talent up front to score a goal and that they are beige as shit and have, can sit back and just take some to the dome for a little bit. Hey, I think Sean Dyche might have something here. I think with the op- I think that now that he has things up front that can actually you know, provide him goals to really secure games instead of having to rely on being brusque and boring and making me pissed off that wake up at five o'clock in the morning sometimes. Hey man, I think Everton are a very, very quickly improved side. Um, But you know, there's a whole lot more games to be played and a whole lot more misery to be divided. So um, Brayden, I wanted to text you on Saturday so bad, but I just, you already woke up so early. I just felt so bad. Uh, There was also one Evertonian, uh, that I know who was in New Orleans for other business, and I'm glad she made it back home. <laughs> that poor woman. Oh, hold hold on, was she there for a bachelor party? <laughs> yeah, she was. <laughs> bachelor party? I think. I, no, I think she was at the bar. <laughs> Shout out to Jessica, the only Evertonian who 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 made it through that, I suppose. Yeah, no, no, it was very much a like, oh, look at this this cute Everton fan that's like not cute, like physically attractive, but just like cute that you show up like to the Arsenal bar in Gunagraw and, and like as the lone Evertonian and that did not age well for us. <laughs> she she made it out alive. She had a great time. Um again, shout out to you, Jessica. What, what Small a brave world. soul. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a brave soul. Well, good luck, Jessica, on your uh situations out there. But <laughs> the only thing I really will say is after watching that game you really will need to investigate any ownership, sporting director, whoever. If they are a top-flight club and give Frank Lampard a job, they need to be investigated. Because <laughs> Sean Dyche came in in a week's time, put in a decent blueprint, and they looked solid-ish defensively. I don't think it was Arsenal's best game. I think they uh, Arteta could probably look at their game and be like, I wish I did this XYZ different. But... On the day, Everton looked very solid, and ultimately, that is what you need in order to stay up, and Everton, uh, back-to-back seasons, are in an absolute dogfight. Will? Uh, yeah, one more thing I will say is the post-match interview, uh, if you're an Evertonian, like Jessica, uh, hey, 
that's exactly what you want to hear from your manager because that is a man who literally came in and some of the stuff we talked about where it's like maybe you just need someone to implement a plan and show you that hey the club's going to do this and here's how we're going to do things everything sean dyche said in that postmaster interview was i came in i had this idea of how we should play i wanted them to get it there's still things to be done there's still a lot of work to be done i'm happy with this result but hey i got an idea of what i need to do and i'm trying to do that and anybody in blue you should want to hear that because that's the thought of a man who is here like this dude knows his fucking job so get ready for the beige because it's going to be overwhelming but like hey beige is better than i don't know what negative money is red or black so i couldn't make the joke but beige is better than whatever negative money is red beige is better than red fuck that's a joke of my own expense damn um, I, the only thing I will say is for Everton, there there is a very interesting situation out here to see how Sean Dice does. And they also were, you know, at one point talking about new ownership. The fans are unhappy with the owners and the board. So a very interesting time ahead. And for Everton, I think the first objective is to stay in the Premier League. Makes them a much more, uh, I guess, um, viable club that people will look into the one thing i do want to tell everton fans if you are listening imagine liverpool does not get sold and you guys get a very proper rich owner who can come in and clean shit up things could get very interesting in merseyside in my opinion but arsenal fans who were probably very upset after this game thinking city are about to capitalize got an absolute lifeline from no, none other than Tottenham Hotspurs. Harry Kane, winner in the first half. 1-0 Tottenham win against Manchester City. And Harry Kane breaks the Tottenham all-time goal-scoring record. And Brayden, going to come back to you first again. Thoughts on this game, sir? Look, if we win the title by less than uh, two points, I, I'm just happy that Harry Kane will finally win a Premier League trophy for his local team. Um, <laughs> look, um, Spur, it wasn't really pretty for Spurs in this game. Like It, it was a pretty scrappy game. I, I was very... Imp- I, yeah, I'll go ahead and say impressed. Um, with like some of the pressing uh, specifically that... Uh, Spurs did they seemed like they were really ready for what City were going to do and I was kind of shocked that City didn't seem to come out with any sort of answer to it like it didn't seem like they changed any patterns of play like I know De Bruyne came on and there was a moment or two where it looked like like something might happen but it's it's a weird thing with the City team like I think they are a team that's in transition and I don't know if like even Pep knows what his best version of this team is right now like it's it's very it feels like there's a lot that is in flux with this team and it's not just tactically like i I think it's like bernardo silva also looks like he wishes it was him like he was a portuguese that got sent on loan instead of jao cancelo (laughs) um but overall like the city team is not like they're not the invincible city teams that you've seen before where it's just they were imperious and you felt like they were going to beat you before the game even started and you were just hoping to stay close and then maybe you can nick something this city team feels like a team that can go out and beat you six nil on a given day but you can also go and beat them uh 
like one nil or two one or something like that. Like the city team is vulnerable and they just didn't really seem to have answers for a Spurs team that I don't know. Like we've seen Spurs play fine a lot this year. Like it's not like you've seen a Spurs team that's been come out and been dominant for many stretches of the season. Uh, so I, I don't know who this says more about. Like this is probably one of Spurs' best performances of the season, and maybe that means that they're figuring it out, and maybe that means that Spurs are going to go on a little bit of run or something, especially now that they're going to avoid Wrexham in the cup. Um, but yeah, it's it's a lot of I. I don't know where a city go from here, but very happy that uh, very happy that it doesn't seem like going to the top of the table. I'm not going to sit here and toot my own horn, but I'm about to sit here and toot my own fucking horn. I've said this city looks acceptable, and I'm glad that it fucking happened. Um, First off, Antonio Conte, be better. Gallbladder things are never nice. My sister's been through that, so I hope that you had a fantastic time emulating Major League, being in love with this English shit as your team kind of made City look pedestrian. Uh, Even the big guys up front for City kind of just didn't look like they didn't look like they wanted to be ours on the day. And what Braden said is true. Like, this is not, yeah, it has the makings of a city team in which, you know, smash and grab, they can beat you. Oh, my God, they're high-flying, early Holland's robot, whatever. But, like, they're beatable. And not just by teams of the quality of Spurs who look to be kind of, I'm not going to say rapidly improving, improving a bit. Um, It... Something is up with City. Something's not going right between the ears. I also feel like even though they had some pieces that were missing out of City, that this is a little bit of a pep galaxy brain as far as, like, substitution starting and how he does things. I feel like he thought too hard about this game because he thought too hard about what happened last time and may have shuffled himself into a corner that, you know, may end up costing them more than they think it does. I think this... I think this game is going to end up meaning more down the line for both of these teams than we think right now. I think City may be getting found out a little bit more going forward from this. I think Spurs may be a little bit more galvanized and may finally book themselves properly into the Champions League instead of backing into it or doing something ridiculous to do it. Um, I don't know. I I just really can't talk about City without talking about the elephant in the room. So I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> Yeah, quite a weird performance from City, in my opinion. And Spurs, like, credit to them. They came in, stamped their authority on the game. And once they took the lead, like, City did not look at all uh, viable to score. And the one thing I will say about Holland in this given circumstance is these are games when if you are this amazing world-class player, like, you have to show up to win games for your team. And he just blanked, he blanked at Old Trafford when the team needed him. And he's blanked here again. So I do think there's a little bit of uh, we don't know how to use Holland at it to the fullest. Because he drops deep to connect play and looks like a fucking, I, I, I don't even have words to describe what he, he looks like. He really sticks out when he comes into the midfield to play. Like he really sticks out like he is not on the same page with all these other guys that are doing all this one-touch stuff. And to be honest, what was crazy was Bernardo Silva had him open twice and he just didn't pass it to him. Like, he went sideways instead of trying to go through. So I do think, like, it was a weird team selection with KDB not playing, with Gundogan not playing. 
And ultimately, it was just a, one of those pep specials where he overthinks and fucked it up. But I'll also say from Tottenham's perspective, Christian Romero had one of the wildest games I've ever seen because he took out Holland in the middle of the pitch for absolutely no fucking reason and then ended up getting a second yellow later on. Like, I understand you love your club and all of that shit, but, like, there's absolutely no reason to get that first yellow. And you know once you've taken the lead, like, there's going to be at some point somebody is going to have to sacrifice a yellow. So one of those circumstances didn't make sense. And overall, I thought it is weird to me that there were so many wrong decisions in the game in terms of, like, um, not getting a corner, not getting the right decision, that everybody loved to seem like, oh, yeah, like, City got fucked over, like, let's laugh. But it's the same fucking people who normally come out and talk about how terrible refs are when their teams get fucked. So just a bit of consistency there. But overall, congratulations, Spurs. I really wanted a draw because Spurs are also very close to a top four spot. So maybe, maybe, much like Antonio Conte after a surgery, they can get a new lease on life and come out and really go for that top four. And, I mean, quite class from Conte as well. Like, he talked to Harry Kane right after the game in the dressing room. So, like, you know, it's... Um, hopefully he recovers soon and we see his antics on the sideline. Like, Tottenham, if you have Antonio Conte, you need the full experience. <laughs> so, hopefully he comes back ASAP. Just in time to rage quit. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that will be funny. And talking about rage quits, there was a lot of uh, rage flying around Old Trafford on Saturday after their 10 o'clock kickoff against Palace. For 70 minutes, or for 65 minutes, we saw a United team that just dominated the game. Like, Palace had a couple of chances here and there. United, for the most part, 2-0 up. And then you saw Schlupp push um, Anthony, that becomes a massive brawl. Casemiro, I think rightfully so, gets sent off because of putting his hands on a player's neck, uh, neck slash other angle showing he was just holding onto the collar of his T-shirt. Um, however... On the other side of it, you see, uh, I think Ayu do the same thing to Fred, and the, he's not even shown to the uh, referee when the referee goes onto the VAR screen. You see an absolutely terrible call on Sabitzer at the end, where like the referee is almost giving a free kick to Crystal Palace at the 94th minute to be like, hey, can we make this any more interesting? And Andrew Mariner had an absolute nightmare, and I was so mad because unlike when we got the decision during the Manchester derby people were not mad about it like people care about it when there's a big fuck up on the big stage but like the, this shit happens every single time you have to sit through games on a weekend where you just look at the decision and you're like what the fuck just happened and that Andre Mariner performance was one of those and i seriously hope he's um doesn't get to manage a game this weekend any thoughts from either one of you? I will say Andre Mariner is not is worse than Mike Dean for all the bad shit that Mike Dean gets. I mean, Andre Mariner can't tell the difference between Kieran Gibbs and Alex Oxley Chamberlain. So <laughs> you're not going to hear me me go against it. So I I don't know. I'm I I'm torn a little bit on VAR because I, I think that there's a lot of things where VAR. Um, takes a look at something, makes a decision that like, oh, this is the incident you need to see, not the other. But I will say that I, I do think that 
whenever there's an incident like this, especially one that's kind of off the ball in nature, like you're not looking at you're you're not looking at like a foul or something. You're looking at a bunch of people kind of you know pushing and shoving and that sort of thing. And you kind of think a rest should be shown the whole like the the entire incident. I I, I would not say that IU and Casemiro did the same thing. Um, it's close, but like one is two hand, like one is kind of like keeping someone at bay, and one is like two hands around the neck area. So I I don't know. Like I I kind of think that Casemiro's is probably more deserved than IU's, but. I is splitting hairs. Like the ref should be the one to decide that. If if you're gonna look at an incident, you should probably look at the whole thing. Um, but you know that it's not what VAR did. So I, I I don't I don't know what to go into further. Regardless of everything, it's a very important three points for United. But I'm just gonna say one thing. So you're telling me that VAR can go back and watch somebody just grab motherfucker by the back of his head and go and yank him to the ground, and that means nothing. But Casemiro does what I do to my cats when I'm like, yo, you got to stop biting mom in the middle of the night. And that gets a red card. Whatever, dude. Whatever. Like, uh, I, don't, I don't believe in anything. If you can get yanked down by the back of your head and have a review and like, Meh. but then like a gentle force choke is what gets like, no, you shouldn't put your hands around anybody's neck ever unless they ask for it. <laughs> but I it. Maybe I'm just being like overly. Maybe I watch too much wrestling and that feels like it's just the beginning of a goozle and it's not anything serious. But like, I, it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> like, it doesn't feel like a red. It's like it's a yellow and like, bro, chill the fuck down. It's, like, uh, it, it's a bunch it, of dudes in a scrap. You can't. Uh. So so here's what I will say. I I think the angle that was shown and all of that for Casemiro, that is a record. I'm not trying to say that shouldn't have been a record. What I am trying to say is one showing a app slow-mo of him, like holding on to uh fucking uh, Anderson, whoever that was. And secondly, just like showing a still after that, like as Braden said, it just does not show the entire picture of what was going on. And as far as I went, he also like, threw a punch that he just missed on uh fred so like you have to for me those take those things into account because again in a scruff like this there is normally a player from both sides that gets sent off because they are both going fucking nuts and if if you look at fucking um the player will hughes actually was the player hughes and casemiro they're just like fucking laughing and hugging it out at the end of it so it's like very fascinating to me what happened and overall i think the one thing the new owners of manchester united need to do is not have that fucking steep fall off next to the pitch because it goes grass there's a fall off and then there's brick so anthony when he gets pushed on the side ends up on the fucking bricks and that's where you do get one injuries and secondly these fights that end up happening so that was my rant moving on to the next topic before we go on as a podcast from America, we are contractually obligated to discuss the <laughs> sacking of Jesse Marsh, a manager who I think at the end of the day, if the, given how this has opened up, U.S. men's national team should just go get him at this point. He's available. But in the time being, as far as leads go, results were not good enough um, in Leeds's point of view. I think losing 1-0 to Nottingham Forest 
when Forest are kind of one of the more informed team, kind of sucks to lose to them though. And Jesse Marsh, he kept them up last year and he looked like he had a plan. He looked like he was getting his players in January in McKinney and company. And it just suddenly feels like they uh, yanked it all up. The McKinney one, I think, is particularly odd. Like, I think McKinney's a good enough player. You got him at a good enough price. I, I think it makes sense as a transfer, but it's one of those. I don't understand why you go get a manager's handpicked transfers if you're going to sack them in the next game. Like, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense when Chelsea did it with Aubameyang and Tuchel. It doesn't make sense when Leeds did it with Marsh uh, and um, McKinney. Uh, I think it makes it sense for, as enough value. A, he's a good player. He'll be fine. But it's odd, to say the least. I'm slightly torn on you know Marsh's sacking overall because like I, I kind of feel like in some ways we saw this with Bob Bradley at Swansea where it's like he did not get a transfer window and results were basically in line with what they did before he got there. And it's like if you're American in the Premier League as a manager – you don't get to have a bad stretch. Like you, you just don't like you get sacked like, and Marsh had a bad stretch. Like there were some good results uh, in there. Like the Chelsea one stands out, uh, but it hasn't been good enough for a little while. And, and, you know, Leeds going in this direction is, is mostly fine. If they think that, that they've made the investments and they should be doing better. Like I, I get it. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I thought, Perhaps if you gave Marsh more time, it might have sorted itself out. Leeds didn't want to take that chance, and I think that is fair enough. It's very hard to argue that Marsh was good enough uh, based on results. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it's 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 one of those, like, you, like I said, if you're American in the Premier League, you don't get to have a bad stretch uh, of games like this, or you're going to get sacked. It sucks because I don't want to agree because contrarianism. But yeah, that's how I, that's kind of how it feels. It it for me it feels less like that and more like the boss took a look at who they lost to, took a look at the lines, and then took a look at where they were in the table and went, you know what? If we just got you your dude and this team who is very close to us, you can't go out and get a result against. It doesn't matter. You got to go. It feels kind of reactionary. But it also kind of feels unjust a little bit, just because it feels like if if Jesse Marsh had persisted and then had back-to-back defeats against Manchester United and not been sacked, for some reason I feel like he still wouldn't be sacked. But because it happened, it, it also feels unjust because it was the Nottingham Forest who's been playing better at home with the Leeds team who, like, they they've completed the window. They've had some chances to play together, but they haven't had a real chance to like get everyone together yet. It it feels kind of unjust, and it does feel like I think that enough people feel like Jesse Marsh is a, a solid hand as far as a manager goes. That's why this feels so unjust. Like this dude didn't just come from nowhere as an American and do something like he's got proper European pedigree behind him, and I'm sure he's gonna land on his feet and be fine. It feels a little short-sighted of Leeds to, like, look, this is a dude who, like, if shit goes sideways and you get relegated, which I which I now stand by my prediction from last episode, uh, you get relegated, Jesse would have been like, I'm going to stay here, we're going to fix this, we're going to get this done. Now, 
I don't know if the next dude is going to be that guy. And if you don't have that guy, then you're not coming back anytime soon. So it it feels unjust. And you know what? I don't even give a shit if that is the homer me talking. Like, it feels unjust. But uh, bring him in for the USMS national team. I love it, baby. Let's go. Yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about the U.S. men's national team. I just want to add it. Like, I read a lot about specifically the Forest game and people talking about how, like, dreadful leads were. And I I saw about half of the match and then looked at it actually afterwards and, like, leads of 1.1 to 0.3 for Nottingham Forest. I'm like, were, like, were you that dreadful? Like, it's one of those, I don't... It's know. missed opportunities up front, and it's not even that, like... Yeah. Is Patrick Bamford not being able to dribble from under his feet? Like, it's not like they're not creating chances. It's not like there's not shots on goal. Like, I don't yeah. understand. They didn't look – I watched this match specifically for this reason. They didn't look dreadful at all. They looked a Leeds team who couldn't fucking score at the time. Ugh. I just don't – like, I think the perception of, like, how they were with Bielsa and how they are with Marsh is, like, two wildly different things. And I think the truth is they're just not that different. <laughs> Same fucking team. I'm so mad now. <laughs> I mean, uh, the only thing I will say is, as far as Jesse Marsh goes, we saw it even, I think, right after the World Cup, where Leeds first had the talk about potentially sacking him. They gave the uh, kind of statement about, like, how their underlying numbers are good and all of that. And ultimately, like, this has been the story of Leeds, that their underlying numbers have looked decent, where they should be scoring goals. They should be better than where they are. And it just hasn't worked. And I think, sadly enough, um, in circumstances like that, people decide to just fire the manager and see if the next manager can carry that on. They are looking at quite a few good options. But at the end of the day, I think, I don't think I hate Leeds. Fuck that. (laughs) I don't think you're fucking going to be That's what I'm going to end that. Like, Jesse Marsh was the one. But... I will say I did enjoy uh, some of the football they played. I did enjoy when Jesse Marsh. Uh, we didn't know how bad Chelsea were at the time, but when Leeds absolutely battered them, is one of the best days of the Premier League this season in my oh, opinion. Oh, that was so and, good. <laughs> <laughs> so, gonna just put that out there, uh, Jesse Marsh. I hope you land on your feet. We'll say not great look for him either that he's been fired from back to back jobs at this point. Most managers get fired though. Like you're yeah. you're as successful like the the guys who leave on their own terms is very, very small percentage. <laughs> yep. It's like Arteta and Pep right now. And Ten Hag. Because Klopp did get fired. Um <laughs> just had to put it took me a second. It took me a second. I was like <laughs> Did something break while I was, oh, yes, right. <laughs> there were teams before us. But that brings us to this weekend's fixtures. We got a full slate of games. But before we go in, Braden, a quick rundown, sir, on how we're going to preview this. Yep. So uh, what we do every week is we take 100 virtual dollars. We call them pod bucks around here. We place them on the three-way money line. So a uh, home team, away team, or a draw are the three possible outcomes. We'll talk about um, some over-unders. We'll talk about maybe some spreads, maybe some prop bets, things like that along the way. But the thing we're focusing and what we're going to bet on and compare results against is the three-way money line. So you can do like what I did in the previous week. We'll be like, well, I think I, I think Wolves are probably good for a plus one against Liverpool. But nope, it doesn't count. You got to bet on the Wolves win. You can't bet on the spread. 
So that that's what we're going to do, and uh, we'll tally it up next week, and hopefully we did better than the previous one. Well, that's my team always got to be the example. I hate this. <laughs> Let's definitely make sure uh, it is better. But It just sticks for- out so vividly. <laughs> <laughs> it always does. <laughs> what for flashbacks right now? <laughs> yep. That wasn't that. I actually saw a memory of that on you on uh, Facebook the other day. Um, <laughs> but moving into the first game, West Ham at plus two forty taking on Chelsea at plus one fifteen. Draws at plus two forty. Over unders at two and a half. Will do you think this Enzo Fernandez led revolution is about to start at the London Stadium? Uh, West Ham are just kind of. I don't want to say necessarily uneven right now, but like if Chelsea is going, <laughs> I'm saying the same thing about Chelsea. I've said about Liverpool every weekend. So this is fucking hilarious. If Chelsea are going to turn it around and do something, I kind of feel like it's going to happen now. Uh, and now that I've said that out loud, I'm literally going off the cuff and changing my complete bet. I'm picking West Ham because every week I say this and every week it doesn't happen. So fuck it. I'm going with what I actually think. Chelsea suck, bro. And West Ham even though they kind of suck right now, a tidbit better on paper. Graham Potter still can't get it together. Enzo Fernandez will be able to be the starlet that we all think he is, but it ain't going to happen right now because it ain't going to happen right now for my team either. Misery loves company. Y'all motherfuckers got to be with me. I'm picking West Ham. Yeah, I think that's all fair enough. I was just looking at the like expected goals chart, and like Chelsea are pretty uh, – Pretty far, I think they're the third team that's uh, most underperforming their expected goals. They have 22 scored on like 28 and a half expected goals. Um, the team that is the highest on their expected goals versus actual goals scored is is West Ham. They have scored 18 expected goals. Said they should have scored 27 and a half this season. So uh, you should think that maybe some regression comes for West Ham. I I, I don't know. Me personally, I think that the longer that this Chelsea team starts playing together and Potter maybe figures out like who is going to play where and that sort of thing, I, I think the better for this Chelsea team, I, I think it will continue to play better. But I think that's maybe not quite this day. So I'm going to do the same thing we did last week with Chelsea. Uh, I'm going to take a draw. Like I just think that can this Chelsea team win this game? Definitely. Can West Ham possibly get a goal in – and tied up, yes. I could West Ham win. I find that harder to believe, uh, but it's not outside the realm of possibility. But when you when you look at the odds on this, Chelsea's a plus favor is very enticing. I just don't have full faith in them here, so I'm going with the draw. I am gonna go with Chelsea. I think plus favorites in this situation. I was very happy with uh, how Enzo played the last game. I think uh, not too cool. Potter's going to try to figure some things out. And West Ham is a game where I think given Enzo and given what they have going forward, they should have enough to beat West Ham. So going to go with Chelsea. Moving on, Arsenal minus 250, taking on Brentford at plus 625, draws at plus 400, over-unders at three. I'm going to go ahead and take Arsenal. Braden, are you going to follow me there? Absolutely. I already said that. I think that the Everton match is a blip. I think getting back to Emirates will be... Uh, a pretty big thing. And I think the one good thing for Arsenal in this game is having to bounce back from the Everton loss means that I don't think they will be looking past this match to go to Man City. I think it will be a environment of we've got to handle our business first and 
Then we'll get to Man City midweek, and I think that's how they're going to approach this game. So I expect to see a pretty strong uh, response from Arsenal in this one here. But it's a London derby, and I kind of feel like Arsenal, it, we talk about the pissed-off team losing the week before. This is Arsenal's version of that. I don't know if I've ever said it about them. I probably have. It's like four seasons of this show at this point. We've done it. But you know what? This is a pissed-off Arsenal. It's a blip on the record, but they want to make that blip be as far in the past as possible. So they're going to come out here, and sorry, Brentford, you're going to get it on the day. Uh, I know that they have, uh, you know, corrupt FM at the middle of the week, but I do believe that because this is a little intra-London thing going on and the Brentford fans will show up because who doesn't like a trip to the Emirates? They'll be up for the match. They'll be pissed off. There's no reason to not take Arsenal on this, so I'm going to take Arsenal. I mean, the one thing also to be said about Brentford is they're going to try to play their style of football, and um, Arsenal's going to smash them as a result of that. Uh, moving on, Palace at plus 265, taking on Brighton at plus 105, draws at plus 245, over-unders at 2.5. Will, is Matoma's form going to continue, or do you think Palace are going to have some uh, trick up their sleeves? I... Bro, in Brighton, we trust, honestly. I think there's always a team that... The way the Premier League is starting to shape up now is that there's always going to be a team that like has a chance to play for Europe who's going to make you super interested and kind of win your heart. And I feel like if now is the time to pick that team because we're just a little bit above halfway, I feel like now is the time to get on that Brighton bandwagon. This Palace team is going to be better than what they are going to look. But I think that Brighton know the task ahead of them, and have the players to do it. And I think they come out and put a statement down. They go to Selhurst, they stand in front of the supporter section, and they do what Seagulls do best. They take a poop on them. Weird joke, but I'm taking Brighton. Yeah, and just a uh, point to mention here, this is one of the... um, It is a rivalry for two teams that it doesn't make sense for it to be. Um, like these teams don't really like each other that much. Um, I'm going to go Brighton as plus favorites. I, I think they're just a team that is, I don't think Brighton are going to make the champions league, but I also don't think that enough people are taking them seriously as contenders for it. Like, I think there is an outside shot that they can go on a run and, and get there. So especially with these other teams having European commitments, like who knows, maybe they'll slip up a little bit and, and Brighton will be there. So We'll see how that plays out. I think Brighton at plus 105 makes a lot of sense. I'm going to take the plus favorites here to go with them. You know what? I'm going to go for a draw in this game. I think um, given it is a rivalry game, Palace at home is going to be a little bit of a task. And Brighton, we'll see. I think they have a lot of good, but they also have deficiencies in Deserby ball. And I think for Vieira, this is going to be an important game to make sure... uh, he can keep for uh, Palace rolling long. Moving on, Fulham, at minus 105, taking on Forest at plus 290, draws at plus 260, over and there's a two and a half. This, according to the last five games, Palace, uh, Forest are the second hottest team in the Premier League. Which way do you see this game go, Brayden? This one's a little tough for me because I, I do think that Forest are finally starting to play a little better, but I also, or well... I should back up from that. I think Palace or not Palace. I think Forest are starting to get results that they weren't getting before. I don't know how much they're playing. Like I alluded to when we talked about Jesse March, but 
I don't think that Forrest completely outplayed Leeds or anything like that. I think they they got the goal and Leeds did not, and that's fine. That's football. It happens sometimes. But I think this Fulham team represent a much stronger challenge. Uh, they're also at Craven Cottage. I think that'll make a difference. Um, I'm going to go with Fulham. Minus one and five isn't quite plus favorites, but it's pretty close. Um, so I'm going to keep that energy. Just on like betters accord only, I'm very tempted to go with Forrest because they are a team in form. And not Fulham aren't like coming back to earth. They, they are still playing fantastic ball. And I don't foresee that. I don't think that I don't foresee that stopping here. I honestly think that uh, at Craven Cottage, I, it's starting to become a place that's very difficult to play. And when they open up the rest of the seats, it'll probably be even harder. Um, but even though Forrest are the team in form, I kind of think that Fulham are finding, a, I don't want to say their footing, but they're they're realizing that they're a little bit more quality than they might be. And this is one of those times where just their tidbit more of quality is going to come out against the Forest team. Yeah, they're in form. Yeah, they're good. But I think Fulham is, I don't want to say higher class, because like we, there's too much ranking to do with that. But I think Fulham are just a tidbit of a class above Forest right now. So at minus 105, I'm not going to do something stupid uh, until the next match. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take Fulham. Yeah, I've got to go with Fulham. I think uh, Nottingham Forest uh, ultimately don't have enough in their uh, tank and Fulham at home, a very formidable opponent for them, in my opinion. Moving on, Leicester at plus 245, taking on Spurs at plus 105, draws at plus 260, overrunners at three. Perfect letdown spot here, Bo. Yes, yes. This is the dumbass man of the league. This is so Spursy. I If Leicester are going to do the dummy thing and make us all go, Oh, I'm so worried about them. And they're like, ha ha call an ambulance, but not for me. Then they have to do it on back to back weekends. I, this seems a Lester thing to win a match that they are expected to win, but not comfortably. And then to win a match and be like, Oh my God, they're back. So, Oh my God, they're back. And sorry, Harry Kane and co. I know I just gave you all a bunch of flowery compliments earlier, but didn't, Spursy things have to happen in order for me to have some sort of joy in this life. So I'm sorry, everybody. It's going to happen to you. I'm picking Lester. Plus 245, dumbass bet of the week. It ain't got to be Jamie Vardy. Somebody on that damn team having a party. Now, I, I cannot co-sign. I, look, it it could be a letdown spot for either of these teams. Like, Lester have been miserable this year and scored four goals last week. I mean... We talk about low XG goals they score. Like I, I think you might see more of that. I I don't know. Like yeah, either team could could have a letdown spot here. I it's such ridiculous. So for me, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna lean on the plus favorites of Spurs here. I think they're just a better team overall. Losing Romero will hurt there. Um, I might be interested in the over here because I I do think the Leicester team are trash defensively. Um, Leicester has the guy who scored the most goals for Liverpool so far in this calendar year. Um, so like <laughs> they could like <laughs> they can definitely collapse and, and you know have a shocker. So I very interested in the over, but for the purposes of the money line, I'm going to take Spurs. Faust is who needs a statue outside of Anfield. That's who needs a statue. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm going to go with Spurs as well. I think um, they are going to get rolling here and ultimately Leicester live off of moments and betting on moments is not a great idea. Moving on, Saints at plus 185, taking on Wolverhampton Wanderers at plus 160, draws at plus 220, over-unders at two. Uh, Brayden, how are you feeling about this? I I think it's going to be Wolves. Like, I, I am trying to come up with a reason why I would take Southampton. I don't really see it. I, I think they can be a tricky team at home sometimes, but not... Like, it can be one of those days where they just don't put it together. I think Wolves are playing much better with Lepetege. Um, I think that they – Wolves look like they are a team that kind of figured out what they're doing and are going to uh, be solidly safe this season. So, I I think with a new manager, they won't do the catering thing that Will likes to allude to. I, I think they will continue to try to impress for the new manager. So, I'm going to go with Wolves. I think they're playing much better football than Southampton are right now. Today, I feel petty. I'm taking Saints. Because fuck Wolves. And that's legit my answer. (laughs) Fair enough. I'm going to go with Wolves as well. I think they are just a better team right now. And if the Saints win, good for them. Moving on, Bournemouth at plus 525, taking on Newcastle at minus 190, draws at plus 320, over-unders at 2.5. Well, how you see your Newcastle boys do? Uh, I This Bournemouth team, it's up and down. I know they're playing better. I think Newcastle are better than them. I think Newcastle had a down performance, and I understand. But this Newcastle team is better than Bournemouth. I'm not going to sit here and miss words. They're better than Bournemouth. They're going to continue to be better than Bournemouth. They got better, bigger and better things to play for. And Bournemouth, yeah, they're in a scrap, but it's a scrap that they're probably going to end up losing. Uh, still regret forgetting that they were in the league last week. That shows how much I think about them. Um, so, yeah, this feels an easy Newcastle win. Uh, I'm going to take the I'm gonna take the over. Uh, this feels like a big old smashy Miggy has a party sort of game for Newcastle. Uh, the vitality will not be rocking for the right side. Uh, yeah, it's Newcastle. Yeah, I'm also going to go with Newcastle. I think that Bournemouth are a team that just don't really have that much going for them. I think that they overperformed their underlying metrics earlier in the season. I think you're saying that they're just not that good of a team overall. They... At, Look, at Vitality, weird things can happen, so fine. Like, weird things can happen, except that may, if you personally don't feel okay with the minus 190 risk, I totally get that. But for me, I'm going to go with Newcastle. Yeah, I think real money, I might stay out of it. But um, as far as this game goes, I'm going to go with Newcastle. Moving on. Sunday, Manchester United, minus 125, taking on Leeds at plus 310. Draws a plus 295, over-unders at three. Braden, uh, do you think Leeds are going to get a new manager bounce? I mean, they may get a new manager bounce, but I don't know how much it's going to make a difference. Like, I, I think more so than the new manager bounce is the question of how much you think Casemiro uh, and the absence of Casemiro affects this game. Because uh, I think that could be a thing that like lets the Leeds midfield have a little bit more control of the game and be able to uh, 
I don't know, get it to their forwards who aren't going to score anyways. So like, what does it matter? Um, I, I'm going to go with Manchester United. I think especially Old Trafford. I, I think they get the job done against them. Um, and worth noting, this is the weekend match, not the <laughs> not the Wednesday one. Um, you'll probably hear this after the Wednesday one, but just to be oh, super clear here. So this is at Ellen Road, not at Old Trafford. Oh, okay. Well, it's listed um, the other way. So um, I'm still going to take Manchester United. I have to think about that longer, though. Like, I, I think that United are still a better squad, but Leeds might be very up for this game at Ellen Road, new manager, all, all that sort of thing. So that's tricky, going with United. Uh, the Derby's so nice, they played it nice in the same fucking weekend. Uh, which is also probably why the uh, picks are switched up on the board, boys. Uh, either way, I I think if this is the Wednesday match, you kind of just want to roll with United. I think, you know what? To be honest, I don't think there's that much between these two matches, and I'm not even going to try to make that there is too much between these two matches. Yes, there is a new manager bounce, but I think there's some weirdness that abounds, and I think that maybe this Leeds team, there will be a new manager bounce at some point. I don't know who they're linked with currently, but I need to see. Whoever they get in, I think that there's still going to be a tidbit of a, look, I'm going to be blunt, I think that they're going to be a little pissed off that Jesse Marsh got fired, and I don't know if Leeds going to be firing at all cylinders, so I think that United are going to do the double throughout the week. And that, like... This is pure speculation. This is pure me thinking out of my ass. But legit, I just kind of feel like maybe Jesse Marsh was liked a little bit more than we thought he was. And maybe this Leeds team is going to be a little pissed off that their manager didn't get what he didn't get to do what he wanted to do. And they didn't get to do what they wanted to do with him. So you know what? If I could pick the double, I would. But I'm going to take the single this time. I'm taking Manchester United because I think Leeds is going to be pissed off that our the friend of the show, Jesse Marsh, got the boot. I think they're going to be mad about it and maybe, you know, sulk themselves into a loss here. Uh, but I do expect Ellen Road to let their voices be heard because I don't know if they're all behind this either. Look, they may not like us the most, but dude's a decent manager. And at least he had some fucking ideas. Yeah, I think the first game, uh, given AirPod man, Chris Armis is going to be taking in charge. Uh I think United players might have a thing or two to say about that when they when he takes charge of Leeds at Old Trafford. You, I did not consider that. I might put a, I might put a mortgage on United in that game. <laughs> like not like just go to Chris Armas, not even because of like the, he was at United before. Like he, you could not have that connection at all. Never met a man so yeah. late to go in my entire but, life. <laughs> At, at Ellen Road, I'm going to take a draw. I, I think beating the same team twice in the space of four days is very, very hard. And ultimately, Ellen Road is going to be an absolute madhouse. I think for the Leeds fans, if you tell them they're going to get relegated this season, if there's one thing, if there's one thing they could do this season before they got relegated, it is to get a win against Man United. I don't think they'll get a win, but I think they will get a draw. Um, especially given the lack of Casemiro. But we shall see. Leeds against Man United has always been McTominay's favorite picture. And um, sadly enough, he's hurt for the first game. We'll see if he comes in for the second. I'm going to go with the draw, though. Moving on. 
Manchester City at minus 435 taking on Aston Villa at plus 1000. Draws at plus 575. Over-unders at three and a half. Unai Emery, after Spurs helped Arsenal, is Unai Emery about to do the same, Brayden? I've seen Unai manage against Man City before, and I, I don't think so. Um, as I like, I I don't know what's going on with this Man City team, and like I said, I don't think that it's just a personnel issue. Like I think it's just like I think there's something going on with the team there, and you can have weird results when that happens. So you know what? I'm gonna go with the draw. Like plus five seventy five is good enough to be to be enticing there. Um, I I don't think you see it from the city team. Now city can still go out there and do some like pretty incredible things. So sure. But like at minus four thirty five, I don't know if I can take the city team right now. All right, everyone get in the way back machine with me to a time to where I said, when weird things happen at a club, sometimes it affects what happens on the pitch. And I feel like when weird things happen with Chelsea, it affected their play on the pitch. And I feel like the last time we did this with Manchester City, because we've we've been doing this that long that we've already done this dance of avoiding the elephant in the room of these motherfuckers cheating. Uh, <laughs> we've done this before, that typically teams come out and they play a little... Allegedly. You, I can't even, like, that was a long pause for me not to swear, everybody, because <laughs> I had all the worst swear words right there. Allegedly. Whatever. When things get weird around the club, it tends to take an effect on the product on the pitch. Things were already weird for City because they kind of they kind of had already beaten this team and then got beat by them by like some by just not being the same city as they always were. And then you add on the fact that everything that's happened this week, which you can go read up on your own because oh my god, there's so much. Um everything that's happened this week is also piling on the bad result. I know Aston Villa are world beaters. I know Aston Villa are fucking, you know, 1980 Liverpool or fucking 73 fucking Celtic. But, like, everything's weird and nothing is good there. So if there's ever a time to take Aston Villa, it is now. Which is why I'm taking the draw, because I don't think they're going to be able to win this match. But shit's weird at City. And if you're going to take advantage of them in a season where they already look like they're going to be taken advantage of, then why not do it right now? Make my dreams come true. Ruin their lives and get Lucas Leyva his champion's medal. Fuck it. I'm taking the draw. I know I've never been that excited for a draw before, but, like, this whole city stuff got me worked up. I just really think that shit's going to get weird there, and it's going to cost them something. So, yeah, that's my rant about city. I'm picking the draw. Really felt like it was pro Aston Villa, but it really wasn't. I'm so sorry, y'all. Yeah, I think City probably win the game, but I'm gonna go with a draw as well. I just don't see. A... Actually, fuck it. I'm gonna go all the way. I'm gonna go with Aston Villa. <laughs> fuck it. If this is why I'm not profitable next week, I'll be mad though. Um, <laughs> moving on to the final game, Monday night, Merseyside derby. Liverpool at minus 190, taking on Everton at plus 500. Draws at plus 340, over-unders at two and a half. Could you imagine, could you imagine, Sean Dyche comes in, first two games against Arsenal and Liverpool, and he wins fucking both. Will, how's that imagination? I've imagined divorce. I've had to have thoughts of, like, 
losing my pets. Um, I've had to imagine LeBron James leaving Cleveland twice and lived it twice. Uh, and honestly, if we lost to Everton right here, I, I'm about to put that Atlanta United flag up in the front yard so goddamn fast. Um, this is a draw. This is a draw. This Everton team are playing better and low-key. I'm kind of fucking tempted to take them because off-air I said, I don't know what to make of this Liverpool team, and I still don't. I like I don't have an answer. I don't have a midfield this, a defense that, an injury recovery this. We look tired. We look sloppy. They look like me playing out there. And to be completely honest, I'm wearing a fucking baseball hat because I played baseball before I played soccer, guys. Like, it doesn't look good. I don't know what's happening. The feel-good factor ain't there. But you know what? The motherfuckers be up for this. So will Anfield. And I feel like we'll sneak out a draw. We'll squeak it out because we'll be the last team to score and squeak it out. And hopefully that galvanizes the team and leads us to something better or open Jurgen Klopp's eyes to other formations or other shit to do. But, y'all, I'm just too tired to talk about it, and I've been yelling this entire episode. So I'm just going to take the draw and get the fuck out of here. And and Jessica, we'll split the fucking spoils. <laughs> so we'll bring the joke back around. Yeah, um, I, I'm going with Liverpool. I, I think that Liverpool are just – they're a better team. I think that they – I don't want to say figure it out, but I think you don't necessarily have to figure it out against this Everton team. Like, the lack of a midfield isn't going to hurt you from a team that doesn't – from a team and playing style that doesn't really care about midfield. Um, I, I think that as long as Liverpool can handle the press of Burnley – I did it. I did the same thing. I did it. Face, 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 face. As long as Liverpool could handle the press of Everton, I think that uh, they'll be okay. Because that is one thing, uh, and where I was going with this, that is one thing that Burnley didn't have a reputation for. But if you if you look at a lot of stats, Burnley pressed a lot in the last two or three years. And I think that's the thing you really saw in the Everton Arsenal match was that the Everton team with under Sean Dyche was coming out and pressing aggressively. And if Liverpool can handle that, I think they win this game. If they can't, it's trickier, but I, is, is this a, is this the time to put a red card bet? Cause like you got two teams and like, they clearly don't like each other. Sean Dyche is going to have the, like go out and give them, the business type thing. Like, I could see red cards flying. Sean Dyche and Klopp have been not, like, respectful, but they're not the biggest fans of each other either. So, yeah, if you're going to take a... If you're going to take a, oh, man, I can't believe someone's been injured for the whole season. One, don't wish that shit on me. Damn, I'm a nice person. But two, yeah, this might be the time to go ahead and take that bet. But again, don't take it on my team because that's just rude. And I've already had to live through that. Um, I hope Jordan Pickford has a lovely weekend. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with Liverpool in this game. I think any other result suits me. And, um... <laughs> Boo! <laughs> Boo! I mean, like, Liverpool are just the better side, in my opinion. And, like, at home, if you don't turn up for the derby, like, there will... I will definitely be asking a lot of questions. Because at this point, it doesn't matter your midfield, your attack, your defense... You can't not show up against Everton, who are a relegation contender. Everything seems very calm on the red side, and I don't mean calm. There's a lot of panic. But it seems like a lot of people outside are like, 
hey, Jurgen, questions about your job right now. Um, and I feel like a lot of Liverpool fans are like, hey, yo, chill the fuck out with that. Um, if this result goes sideways, I, man, I've, I know I'm an American speaking on this, but I've been around this shit too long. Things are going to get real weird real quick. So I hope they don't. Because I really just want to enjoy a fucking Monday for once in my goddamn life. <laughs> well, going to be an interesting weekend for sure. Make sure to catch all the action. Let us know if you do bet with us or against us. And let us know how you do. On that note, we'll be back next week. Cheers, guys. Prayers to Turkey. Love you, Jessica. <laughs>